Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. And welcome to yet another episode of Lions Love by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me today is Jack Trumbull, host of the Let's Talk About War Games podcast, crafter of words, and uh, yep. I, I, I'm trying to think of another superfluous title to give you. Um, That's it. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> that sums it up. Uh, uh, I, I games guess, journalist, I think, is a little bit of what it is. It's all I, about I'm, ethics and game journalism, Jack. I have heard that a lot, and <laughs> you know. I think we should be more unethical, actually. Yeah, I, I stand unethical journalism all day, uh, which is why I've accepted a new position as the head editor of Quillette. Um, <laughs> my family has disowned me, and that's why Nick is gone. Um, but uh, no, I'm, in case anybody is curious, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> This is a cover for using dog shampoo, isn't it? <laughs> for 10 years. I didn't for know 10 I, years. I had no idea. Um, uh, Jack, I wanted you to come into this episode completely blind because it's fucking wild. Um, yeah, I, I was looking things up trying to figure out what this could be, and I have no idea. I, I, I gave you a bit of a hint that I said that we're going to get to talk about killing Nazis, uh, which I know is a pastime for both of us. This, this is something that I do enjoy very much I well, uh, in Minecraft. In Minecraft. Um, in Minecraft. In, in whatever video game we're streaming together. Um, so... I have before before we go in to uh, the topic at hand. I have to ask you a question that you're not prepared oh, no. for. Um, if you were to rank civil service employees and like a March Madness scale of like who would be the best group of people to like fight or defend something, like let's let's like cut out cops entirely because like they actually have training and stuff to shoot your dog. Um, uh, like, but if you're you know, your your state employee accountants, your fucking uh, Bureau of Land Management people, your local paramedics. Like, wh- oh, what does oh, this bracket look like for you? It's post office workers, 100%. Like, I'm they, so they, happy they you said that. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> um, now. Got it in one, baby. Let's you, go. You got it in one. Now, in America, we know mailmen for being the one federal institution that kind of works. Uh, but they also occasionally go nuts and shoot up a post office or two every now and then. As um, you do. As you do. Um, uh, uh, you know, a pastime that has since been taken up by the school children of America. Um, but they are also the people who will rain or shine deliver your mail. And that one time in a window ever so brief that America remembered they existed enough to make a democratic election possible. But what if I told you the mailman of Poland, more specifically the city of Danzig, excel at something other than delivering your mail? They were really good at killing Nazis. And you know what? I love that about them. But Jack, they're not just Nazis. They're Nazi cops. 
Nazi cops. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> That's my least favorite kind of Nazi next to all of the other kinds of Nazis. It's a, it's a flat plane that I hate them all. Um, this is true. Now, the city of Danzig had a very interesting history to begin World War II, and we do have to take kind of a knee on the mailman story to, to figure out why this fucking happened uh, and why exactly Polish mailmen were the first people to pull triggers of World War II. So why did World War II happen, Joe? So it all started when Hitler didn't get into art school. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> anyway, History Channel, if you're listening, I am available. Um, now, we do have to figure out why exactly there were a bunch of Polish postal employees in a, what was previously a German city. Uh, and that is, we have to talk about the free city of Danzig. Um, Danzig is a pretty weird history that I was not in complete, I was not totally aware of uh, before I started researching this. Um, at various sporadic times uh, throughout its history, it had weird differing, differing forms of independence. As a city-state, um, like back when the P Prussian Confederation was squaring off against the Teutonic state of Prussia. Um, also, yeah, it doesn't sound good. Uh, also, Napoleon, it's, it, you, it's never good when someone's Teutonic or, no, or I, Prussia. <laughs> the Teutons and Prussia, like those adjectives frequently go hand in hand with like mass murder at the minimum. Yeah. Uh, Sorry to any Prussians listening to this. There, there's no such thing as Prussians anymore. They're all just Germans. Well, <laughs> anybody who's still claiming to be Prussian is holding up to some very weird historical ties. That that's a that's a dog whistle right there. Yeah, and it's a dog whistle that makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> so. Then that little thing called German unification occurred after uh, kicking France in the teeth. And then we had the Empire of Germany. Uh, you know, and thankfully, nothing ever bad happened from Germans getting together uh, all over Europe ever again. Um, yeah. Now, the Empire of Germany got shit kicked in during the Great War, leading to the Empire being picked apart by the victors. Uh, one American president, a guy named President Woodrow Wilson, had something called the 14 points, which we won't Ooh. get entirely into. Um, but it's not the first time 14 words would be used negatively in this. <laughs> Oof. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, now one of the points were self-determination. Um, assuming that you're white anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Vietnam. Uh, enjoy the French. Um, now, uh, one of the things that he backed was Polish independence. Cause even Woodrow Wilson, while a massive fucking racist still considered Polish people worthy of independence, but in order for this new Polish state to be economically viable to a lot of these people, uh, they needed a, a access point to the sea. This meant that Danzig would be separated from Germany and given to Poland. And I have to point out that every time I say the word Danzig during this episode, I am also thinking of Glenn Danzig. I know everybody else is too. <laughs> it's, I, we've, we, we're moving on. We, we, we all know this. <laughs> uh, yes, the intro will probably be the Misfits. Um, they don't, they don't seem like they would sue me. I, you know, you never know. That's the only one way to find out. I don't know. Sabaton hasn't sued me yet. And I've used their intro like a dozen times. Well, I mean, like there's, they're all over the place now. They've got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Um, now, so uh, obviously Woodrow Wilson wanted this to be given to Poland. Other people did as well. Some people didn't. And uh, the, one of the more unifying facts is like if we took Danzig away from the Germans, it would punish them some more. So that's a good thing. We should move on with that. Um, Just a great mentality in general. Yeah, because that certainly didn't come back to bite everyone at play in the ass. Um, 
it was the entirety of the Treaty of Versailles was like, let's just fuck them over and then look away for 30 years. Yeah, nothing bad could happen. Um, no, nothing bad could happen. Uh, it, but then, you know, someone pointed out to Wilson, uh, again, because Poles are whites, that um, part of the 14 points is self-determination. And, you know, uh, this, does it, this kind of violates that since 90% of Danzig's population was German, not Polish. So they're like, well, you can't just give all these Germans the Poland. That would violate your own rules. Um, so they went for a compromise. Danzig would become a semi-free city-state once again. Um, now, despite agreeing on most of this, almost nobody thought it would work. European leaders correctly point out that given German land to the Poles would create a deep hatred for the Poles within Germany. It would almost certainly lead to another war. I don't know about that. Yeah, weird how that happened. Um, this was bookended by the French and British leaders openly talking about how they wouldn't really care enough about it in order to defend it should that happen. Oops. <laughs> um, now, credit where credit's due, I suppose, that was later changed, uh, that they did recognize an attack on Danzig as an attack on Poland, but by then it was far too little too late. Um, but the English didn't want to give Poland to Danzig, uh, and the French and Americans didn't want to give it to or allow Germany to keep it. So that was why the compromise was, we need to fuck over Germany. Let's make this work. <laughs> um <laughs> And, you know, the, another problem with all of this was is absolutely nobody consulted the people that lived within the city about any of this. Uh, nobody was happy. Uh, the Germans that, wanted to be That's a classic move. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a classic German, or sorry, French, British, and American sitting around a table. How can we fix this problem without ever, like, referencing or asking any of the people that it might impact? There are so many straight lines on a map that, like, come from this mentality. Yeah. Um, thankfully, America... England and France would never do that again. Isn't that right, Northern Ireland? Um, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, or Iraq, or Afghanistan, or, or the Central the African entire Republic. Middle East. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> the list goes on. Uh, now, the, the, the Germans within the city wanted to be part of Germany. The Polish in the city wanted to be part of Poland. And the problem was is that they couldn't be those things anymore because they are citizens of the city of Danzig. So they're all stripped of their citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. It's just an absolute dick move all the way down. I just hate it when I'm living somewhere and then suddenly I don't exist. Yeah, I'm sitting somewhere where that happened not that long ago. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, and just to piss the people off even more... Like they had the city had to have its own government, right? But but it was a semi-free city state. That nobody was willing to be like, "You're fuck it, you're a country now," right? They had to have some level of authority over it. Well, it's post World War One. What do you think that very dumb authority is? Oh, they're bringing back the Holy Roman Emperor, the League of Nations. Ah, close enough. About as useless. Yeah. Oh fuck. Um, for people who are unaware, the League of Nations is th probably the most useless and most powerless international body to ever exist. It's like a worse UN. It's exactly what that is. Um, I, it was completely toothless, had no, uh, uh, no ability to enforce anything. I mean, ask Ethiopia. Like, <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> Uh, and it, you know, it would fail and eventually become the UN. I mean, you know that the League of Nations was such... A, a giant piece of shit that it was Woodrow Wilson's idea. And then the U S didn't even vote to join it. 
Woodrow Wilson noted shithead. Yeah. It was his idea. Like Ugh. it's one of those things that's good in paper, but then like once you try to like do it, you realize like it's like doing a group project, but nobody has any onus to work together. Like I'm getting like the UN. Yeah, exactly like the UN, except somehow yeah. the UN still exists. Um, well, for for now. I mean, it does exist in like good ways when it comes to like the Who uh, and stuff like that. But like, yeah, I love at, that band as as a peacekeeping body. Mixed bag, uh, mixed bag. Yeah, uh, big L on the league. Yeah, um, yeah. Now Danzig was only ever a free city in name only in the in the fevered dreams of the League of Nations. I guess uh, the politics were very much dominated as by the demographics, which were Germans and German political parties within the then Weimar Republic. And like the Republic, the Nazi party was there, but largely unpopular. Uh, But then the economy imploded. In 1933, the Nazis took control of the only technically independent sovereign entity they would ever take control of through a popular vote and won 50% of the Danzig senatorial election. Fuck. Well, at least that means 40% of the Germans didn't vote for him, I guess. So that's kind of good. I think it may have just been a bad voter turnout, like most things. Um, No. I mean, were they running against, like, Biden? um, (laughs) It was mostly, like, the the Christian Democratic Union and, like, other... It was other Weimar parties. um, Which, because, like, the polls only controlled about 10% of the vote. So... Yeah, Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's, like, the Nazis are who... Yeah. Um, mm. Good thing no one else has ever had to face this voting dilemma. Now, let me know if you've heard this one before. And because history repeats itself, the centrist and liberal parties sided with the Nazis in order to box out leftist parties like the communists and socialists, who were oh, then God. immediately ousted from power. <laughs> oh, God. It's almost I'm like having the- flashbacks. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, like the uh, there was like the German communists and the German socialists um, who were trying to bind their power together to win some seats within the Senate, um, and the centrist and liberal parties. Uh, some of them withdrew their party candidates in order to back the Nazis, thinking that because they had the senatorial president who also backed the Nazis, who was a centrist type conservative. Um, that they would be able to control the Nazis. Well, as soon as the Nazis came to power, <laughs> they got rid of that guy. Um, and then immediately, like that guy began pleading with everybody who would never listen to him ever again to not vote for the Nazis. He ended up having <laughs> to flee Danzig to save his own life. <laughs> oh, what a king. Yeah, fuck that guy. He ended up dying in Portland, Oregon. Oh, <laughs> what's up, Portland? Yeah, like good job, guys. Like a lot of people don't understand. A lot of weird Nazi sympathizers end up in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> so, like, it's Portland and Argentina, huh? Yeah, I guess. Uh, though that one guy, uh, John John Demonyuk, the death camp guard, ended up in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as a person from Michigan, I'm like, yep, Cleveland. Ooh. I have too many friends that live in Ohio to say anything bad about it, so sorry. I have a lot sorry of friends. Sorry, Cleveland. In o- I have a lot of friends in Ohio, and I, I am duty bound to shit talk Ohio. Um, this is fair. I, I cannot join, but I will respect your your shitting. <laughs> um. So once the Nazis took control of the city, total Nazification began to occur. 
Unions were banned because Nazis aren't socialists, and the police were turned into an arm of state oppression, hunting down and killing political opponents. Leftist political parties were outlawed, and soon any opposition newspapers were shut down. By 1935, the police's official uniform was changed to display the Totenkopf on their headgear. Oh, shit. Do they know that the Nazis wore that? <laughs> Guys, you think we might be the baddies? Like, we have skulls on our hats. <laughs> oh, you gotta know that at least one, like, police officer who hadn't really been keeping up with politics, like, got his new uniform, and he's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, like, the police chief gave um, a big uh, speech about how um, if anybody doesn't support the Nazi party and the Nazi party aims. They have no right to be uh, a cop in the city, which I assume is actually the same speech given at Seattle police graduations. <laughs> uh, you're saying the things that I, that are like almost too spicy for me to say. So I appreciate you just saying these things out loud. <laughs> <laughs> they might have to edit these things out. Um, uh, loyalty to the fatherland, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, now, uh, the Polish nations, uh, I, when I said like the Polish nation, not the Polish people, but like their rights within the free city were laid out in the Treaty of Paris. Um, but the Poles wanted to control the entire city, and they but they wanted to expand their their power. Like they they didn't want this free city bullshit. Uh, but the Germans were also doing the same thing. At one point, this led to a German worker strike because they refused to unload ammunition that was going to the Polish army during the Polish Soviet War of nineteen twenty. Oh. Y- yay direct action uh, no, boo direct action yeah uh. it, it, so this in 1920 this led to the, Poli- the the Polish government saying okay fuck it we'll just build our own Polish ammunition depot guarded by Polish soldiers and that employs with blackjack po- and hookers <laughs> with, po- with Polish blackjack and Polish hookers and <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like so that was like you know if the Germans have a problem with us they can't uh, strangle off our army uh, and they built it on the Vesterplot, which is like a peninsula that jutted out from the city's territory. Um, now, obviously, having um, Polish soldiers um, staring down over the city, guarding a Polish military installation, really pissed off the Germans in the city and the city government itself. Um, now, this anger was vented in the most normal way possible by a city ran by Nazis, and that is harassing Polish people in the streets with racial slurs and physical violence, none of which were stopped by the cops. Yeah, that sounds about right. Who were literal Nazis at the time. (laughs) You know that saying, like, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes? I'm thinking about that a lot right now. Yeah. And I don't like how much I'm thinking about it. It's not good. No, it's it's not. Yeah, I always joke (sighs) that history is a big, dumb, flat circle, and that's not entirely true. However... It's like, you know, when you watch, um, like, a remake of a movie, like, oh, I've seen this before. <laughs> it's slightly <laughs> different, but I've seen this before. Oh, I, I don't like this movie. Yeah. I don't like this movie at all. I don't like where this is going. Now, uh, unfortunately for the entire world, the next door in Germany, Hitler came to power. Um, relations between the city and Germany actually improved at first. You know, because well, the Nazis were in charge. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Hitler was, if anything, a fucking bastard, but also kind of slick. Uh, he told the Danzig Nazis to stop, you know, murdering people in the street. Um, and for now, for now. Uh, and in return, Poland would not help a burgeoning anti-Nazi movement 
forming within the city. So, you want to guess what happens next? I, I, I have some ideas. The cops uh, immediately swoop in and arrest all of the anti-Nazi movement once they stop organizing and having weapons. Hooray! Yep. Yep. All, pretty much all of them would be disappeared. Hooray! Yep. Uh, and, it, I mean, there's a good chance this is going to happen either way. Uh, but without, you know, Daddy Poland's help, they had no support whatsoever. I guess they were just putting off the conflict because Hitler was very like, let's just hold this off as long as we can kind of guy. Yeah, and Poland's understanding of Germany's intentions were not always that good. Uh, they were more Poland was sin- much more worried about another Soviet war than they were about the Germans. Um, because what? remember, they had an agreement with England and France that if Germany fucked with them, uh, they would defend Poland. Right. So is this before or after Czechoslovakia? We're not quite there yet. Uh, but oh, okay, yeah. so yeah, they they didn't know what was coming. Yeah, it, Hitler wasn't quite so uh, like honest Wait, about his intentions yeah. quite yet. When you know when he takes over the Sudetenland, everybody's like, "Oh fuck, okay." <laughs> <laughs> now, but this uh, improvement in relations would change pretty rapidly once the Nazis central centralized their power in Germany. They began to push for the return of Danzig. In October 1938, Nazi minister Joachim von Ribbentrop made an official Ugh. demand for. Danzig to be placed under the control of Nazi Germany, not just Nazis in Danzig. Obviously, Poland had a bit of a problem with that. Josef Lipsky, the Polish ambassador to Germany, pointed out that if Germany retook Danzig by force, the military dictatorship, I believe it's called like the sanitation or something like that of Poland. The sanitation? Yeah. Like, like, trash men? I, I guess. Honestly, if it was a junta of trash guys, that would be kind of rad. That would rule. That would rule. <laughs> Make this an episode about like postal workers and trash guys fighting off Nazis. <laughs> uh, it was. It was a form of a, a weird form of military dictatorship um, that could currently control Poland. They would almost certainly resort to war to reclaim Danzig. Um, that may have not been the best thing to tell Germany. I. I, I think. Lipsky was attempting to threaten them with military force. Ugh, Not thanks. a good call. Um, it threatened the Nazis like, we're going to get you. And, well, we see how that plays out. Yeah, and the Nazis like, all right. <laughs> yeah, all right, bet. See what happens. Yeah. Now, while all this was going on, the containment policy towards Hitler was in full swing by Neville Chamberlain. Um, that's, you know, the, the British Prime Minister, as well as the French and the Soviets were attempting what they called the Peace Front. Um, and that is, you know, give the Nazis what they want. Maybe they won't start a war. Um, and Poland didn't really see that if Poland was thinking about a war Germany at this point, it was mostly over Danzig. It wasn't like they're going to take over all of Poland and start killing people. Um, it was like they might take over our city. Um, and they were much more worried about the USSR coming back to finish the job. But there was an increasing amount of tension between all sides that eventually lead to the outbreak of World War Two. Germany would go on a PR push, claiming they just wanted Danzig, not Poland. And this did find some purchase with members of the future Allied government. This included Canadian Prime Minister at the time, William Leon Mackenzie King, who uh, would eventually you know, lead Canada to war, but would blame Poland for the war in general for not giving them Danzig. Fuck. Yeah. Now, after this, Hitler would go, go on and take the Sudetenland. 
uh, after demanding freedom for the Germans there and then using that freedom to force a vote to then steal the entire chunk of land. Um, now this made the Poles and Danzig pretty goddamn nervous. Uh, they were, I mean, they were doing the same blueprints to take over Danzig. And before too long, the Nazis in Danzig were bringing guns from Germany and beginning to fortify German-owned buildings within the city. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's, it's always a good thing when you see the other ethnicity in your city just suddenly becoming extremely armed for some reason. Yeah, it's not a good sign. Uh, that uh, Heavily armed Germans anywhere should make people nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in Danzig. Yeah. Um, now, in July, the British changed their promise. That, uh, b- before this, the British did not consider Danzig part of Poland. Therefore, they wouldn't defend Poland if they went to war over Danzig. But that changed in July of that year. Then, to prove that the Nazis actually didn't care all that much... In August, uh, the the Nazis of the Danzig Senate said they would no longer recognize Polish custom laws within the city. Uh, the Poles retorted by saying if custom laws were ignored, their air force would bomb the fucking city. <laughs> That's a rational response. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's escalation that I believe the Nazis knew that the Poles had no chance. You know, um, like it's brinksmanship, but they want the end goal. And yeah. I, I do truly believe that the that the Nazis didn't think that France and England would throw in with Poland. Like they pro- like at this point they've given them so much, they're like they'll probably fucking dip out. You know. I mean, yeah, they 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 pussied out so much. Like, what's going? What's different about Danzig? Yeah, exactly. You know? It's even. Le- I mean, if you're at this point, if you're going to go to war over anything, like the Sudetenland made much more sense, uh, or Austria for that matter. <laughs> Or remilitarizing the Rhine. Yeah. Uh, or literally any of these things they're willing to overlook. But no, no. Literally is anything to, else. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I don't know, the Condor Legion. <laughs> <laughs> All of these things they're willing to overlook. And at this point, I think Poland was starting to think they might be on their own, uh, which is why they started flexing hard. Um, and maybe Poland... Remember, Poland is still more worried about the Soviet Union. Um, I don't think... They think that the Germans are so ready and already planning to go to war against them, and and uh, they're playing white, which would a terribly named plan in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know their plan to invade Poland was pretty much already made by this point. This is July; they would invade in September, so like the plan's already done, and Poland has no idea. Uh, Call that an oopsie. Yeah, uh, and then the Senate of Danzig said fuck it, and then voted, just straight up voted to rejoin Germany entirely, disregarding Poland and all of their other agreements. Now, remember, I we've already talked about the League of Nations. Um, the city is under the command or administration of the League of Nations, which actually had the power through the, the Constitution to depose the Nazi government of the city when they violated the agreement like they did by first ignoring Polish custom law, and then voting to rejoin Germany. But France and the UK pressured them not to depose the Nazi government, hoping that they'd be able to leverage the city to cut a deal between the Poles and the Germans to avert war. Well, we need unity right now, Joe. Yeah, thankfully this worked. The end. Uh, Yeah, Hitler was like, you're right. Thank you for negotiating with me. You don't need to (laughs) burn down my entire country and corner me in a basement until I shoot myself. He did say that, actually. Yeah, yeah. He it, it was the small print. Yeah, 
Now, in case anybody has never heard of World War II before, this had failed <laughs> entirely. Uh, instead, the newly empowered Nazi government of the city fired every Polish worker that worked for them, passports were revoked, and the Senate confiscated Polish goods. The Germans, then to support their bros, sent the battles- battleship the Schleswig Holstein to park at the Danzig port. Its guns pointed directly at the Polish installation on the Vesterplot. Now, it's fine. Yeah, this is fine and normal. It's just a friendly drive-by wave with cannons. Giving us I a mean, salute. In, in the 30s at this point, you'd just be like, yeah, this is this tracks. Yeah. Now, while all this was going on, obviously all hell was breaking loose in the city as the Polish citizens began to panic. Within the city, there were several Polish institutions that held sovereignty, kind of like an embassy, uh, but not an embassy. Um, one of those things was the Polish Postal Service. Uh, like, this was not a part of the city of Danzig. This is a sovereign entity of the Republic of Poland. So they assumed, like, while well, all this wildness is going on, no one's going to attack the post office because that's Poland. Uh, I, I already am just envisioning the action movie just based on this premise alone. I love this already. <laughs> Knowing this... Poles in the city that couldn't leave Danzig to a different country or get back to Poland or just flee entirely fled to the post office, hoping to be protected <laughs> by the government that they recognized. Oh, it's the one time anyone's ever been happy to be at the post office. Right, right. Someone someone in the lobby as like people are kind of like, can I still send out my mail? <laughs> he hasn't seen the battleship in the harbor yet. <laughs> Now, the Polish government knew that people were asking for help, but they didn't have a whole lot to spare. Uh, so instead, they sent a single Polish army officer, a combat engineer named Konrad Guderski, and a couple dozen weapons to the Polish uh, post office in Danzig. Now, once there, Conrad met a couple dozen postal workers, a lot of civilians, and most of, mostly the postal workers' families. Uh, they hid themselves in his post offices, hoping to flee the roving gangs of literal brown shirts and cops in the street- streets who were now just committing murder. Uh, and they found protection. Like at first, the SA and SS militias and like the cops did not fuck with the post office um, because war hadn't started yet. Uh, like at this point, it was you know they were edging war. Like that 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 was coming. Just it's they, they, <laughs> edging war. See, you tune in for the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast, so I can compare all war to coming. <laughs> <laughs> so it really hadn't ejaculated into... No, we're no, at the, we're at the vinegar strokes of war right now. I see. It's inevitable. You can't stop it. <laughs> uh, like, the, the, the cops and the SA and SS and all that were like... They didn't want to start the war by attacking the post office, so instead they were just kind of like lurking. Um, now, Conrad was sent to the post office with the idea that in a worst case scenario, if all hell broke loose, the people in the post office would only have to sit in there for a couple of days, after which the Polish army of Pomerania would be able to charge through the city and secure it. That was the plan. Um, the post office, yes. Yeah. But... Conrad had no soldiers. Instead, he had mailmen, uh, none of which who had undergone any kind of military service before. So he asked if anybody there would like a weapon. And pretty much everybody volunteered to grab a weapon. I I mean, hell yeah, dude. (laughs) Like, 
there's Nazis outside. I'm getting a gun. Yeah, and Conrad, being the only trained soldier there, decided he needed a second in command that could, you know, talk to these people he, he did not know. So he named Alphonse Flakowski, a 40-year-old postal supervisor without a single day of military training, his second in command. Oh, do you think this is like his best day of work ever? Like, fuck yes, I've been waiting for this moment. I have been wanting to shoot Nazis for so long. I've been wanting to lead my my underlings into battle for years. I've been fantasizing about this. Like on my postal route. Gonna sling some lead like I sling fucking stamps, bro. <laughs> now, when we envision a post office, I know me, I think of like what our post offices look like, which admittedly in Hawaii, they all look like brutalist concrete squares, so they'd be a pretty good pillbox, admittedly. Yeah, they like that everywhere. Yeah. Like you don't think that like this is our armored redoubt. Like, this is not our, our, our final stand fortress. Um, but this post office was built differently. Uh, like, it was, <laughs> it was just built This different. post office was built different. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's talking with the money phone. You know, it's rise and grind all day. Um, <laughs> the rise and grind post office. <laughs> uh, it, like, it was a huge multi-building compound uh, made out of, like, thick brick. And then it had a retaining wall. So, like... It's, How many C's are in this thick? Oh, Joe? at least two. At, at least, least two. two. This post. This post office. Damn, it's thick. <laughs> like, like Resident Evil Eight. Like, yeah, Vampire I, Mom. Thick. Oh man, uh, Vampire Mom definitely does business. I mean, she's. I, I think Vampire Mom is from what Romania. It's nearby. She goes it's, to Poland for fucking for post office business. This is her. This is her post office. Yeah. It was built for her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If, anyway. If nobody's seen the nine-foot-tall uh, Resident Evil vampire lady, they're not going to get nine any of that. Nine-foot-six. Nine-foot-six. Nine foot six. Six. intangibles might be in the NBA one day. Um, <laughs> though she doesn't I, need to jump the dunk. <laughs> the, <laughs> rim's at a head, the rim's at eye height. Like, come on. Yeah, eat your fucking heart out, LeBron. <laughs> Uh, no, at one point, someone tried to like butte, like you know, try to do some landscaping in this in in, in this uh, post office. So they planted a whole bunch of trees and bushes everywhere. Um, so one of the first things Conrad did was him and his uh, post office bros went out there and started cutting all of that shit down because he w- wanted to make the perfect kill zone so easy that untrained mailmen would be able to take advantage of it. So this would force. Anybody attacking the post office to advance over totally open ground. Oh, he was the combat engineer, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, he's literally the perfect person they could have sent to go do this. Yeah, he he put him in a good position. Now, <laughs> most people didn't think that any of this would be used. Um, like Conrad and most of the defenders assumed that even if the idea of war with Germany was looming, most figured the combined powers of the French and the British would convince them that like maybe don't do that. Or would buy Poland enough time where, you know, four to six days would elapse where the Polish army could come and save them. Like, they didn't see themselves as targets in that post office. Now, unfortunately for Conrad and the mailman, the Nazis in the area were prepping at the same time that they were cutting down trees. The Danzig police teamed up with local Nazi paramilitaries like the SS and the SA to figure out which buildings the Poles had been held up in and zero in on the post office. Because remember, they just wanted to kill all the Poles. I think that's something that like a lot of people... I mean, because who would think that, right? Like, 
the the reason why a lot of people didn't see like the Holocaust coming or like just the wanton violence against the Poles or like Belarusia and stuff is that you don't assume that mass murder is the goal. You assume it's like military conquest. Yeah, they didn't do this shit in Europe to eat other white people much. I mean, like, you know, Turkey and Armenia, like that, that was a thing, but that wasn't Europe, Europe, you know? Yeah. So they, so no one even like conceived of this happening. I mean, the last main genocide in Europe of like a major population happened in like what the 1300s or something like that before the Armenian genocide. Uh, it would have I been mean, quite some time. It was like well, I guess also with the Spanish Inquisition, but that was like the 1400s. So yeah, they, they and, didn't. There's not really a precedent. Yeah, and like Hitler himself pointed out, like who remembers the Armenians? Like he knew people that, didn't remember. That was this like shit. twenty years before this. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Um, so like the you know the the civilians within the post office probably didn't assume that like we're a legitimate target because like we're a fucking post office. Um, but then on September first at four in the morning, Danzig police cut the power and water to the post office. Forty-five minutes later, the Sweswig Holstein opened fire on the Polish outpost at the Vesterplot, meaning that in reality. The first actions of World War II had been carried out against a small group of Polish mailmen held up in a post office before anybody opened fire officially against Poland. I love it. Yeah, that's something that blew my like. Obviously, there's um, like the Nazis roll out some false flags and stuff against Poland to build up their reason for war. But like the first action really was an offensive by cops against mailmen. <laughs> just blows the mind it's just like everyday life in poland though isn't it just the constant tug of war between postal worker and cop ah there's two wolves within you what is a postal (laughs) worker and what is a cop now the danzig police flanked by their sa and ss comrades calmly walked up to the post office assuming that there wouldn't be a fight they demanded that everybody inside surrender and come out unarmed and that is when they met a full salate of gunfire. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. Uh, like, uh, now there was a one uh, machine gun within the post office. It was the Polish. They had a machine gun? It was the Polish version of a BAR. Uh, and a whole bunch of uh, rifles and pistols and stuff. So, like. Fuck. And the guy using the BAR was Conrad because he didn't have enough time to train every- everybody on it. So, he just stood in the window and started hosing people because like, in front of them is like an open field, but then also a city street. Like, there's nowhere for these guys to run. <laughs> so, they just get hosed Fuck. down in the middle of the street. And, like, they, the, the Nazis thought that this was going to be such a like a cakewalk that the local party leader a guy named albert forster showed up to watch the event like a high school football game or something like some random germans in the city came to like watch the spectacle of oh man and then they just watched all these dudes get obliterated by gunfire <laughs> god it, it never ends well like first bull run and during the civil war like civilians showed up to watch the battle like, because yeah. they thought it was going to be a cakewalk. And then they caused a mass stampede that blocked half the army from escaping back to D.C. Right. And then I think this happened in World War One. also. Like, some civilians just got shattered by artillery when they were going to go look at the trenches in France. Like, towards the start of it. it people don't learn. They're like, ooh, a war. Yeah, like, Israelis were doing that during the, Syri- uh, during the worst part of the Syrian Civil War. Because they could, like, watch the artillery strikes from, like, the rooftops and stuff. It's not, it's not a spectator sport, guys. Go home. 
Um, now, obviously, walking into machine gun and rifle fire at pretty close range convinced the Nazis to scatter, leaving their dead and wounded behind. They they tried to return fire and uh, eventually brought in three armored cars to support them. And one of those armored cars, like one of the, the mailmen got close enough to destroy it with a hand grenade. <laughs> what? He... <laughs> he he blew up a covered car with a hand grenade. What? Yeah, like I I really want to think that he said some like action movie shit uh, beforehand. He's like, I got to deliver one last package. <laughs> Here's ran. your fucking mail, you ugly son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, and like they used the armored car as cover to like you know, try to advance on the post office, but whenever they got too close, the mailman would fight them off and kill them once again. Um, during the second large push. Uh, against the post office, uh, the uh, Conrad found himself getting wounded. He was shot in the chest. Now, Ooh. Conrad knew he was fatally wounded. Uh, he was not going to be able to get medical care, and Nazis were starting to come directly into the post office. Uh, so he ordered the postman to fall back, and then he pulled the pin on a grenade and jumped into the door that the Nazis were coming into, suicide Dude. bombing them. Fuck. That's some I Am Legends shit right there. <laughs> I got this. Um, <laughs> yeah, that chased off the Nazis for the second time, probably assuming like, haha, we wounded him. Oh, God, he's attacking us still. Oh, do you think that he was like, do you think that he said the same thing the guy with the grenade and the armored car did? Like, here's your fucking mail. <laughs> Packages for you. Uh, yeah. Um, and like it chased them off. Now, Conrad was dead, um, leaving every, the entire defense of the post office to the not-trained second-in-command, Flakowski. Um, now, at this point, they collected groups of cops and militias, thought that since the mailmen were shooting back, and, like, until then, they, they had only been shooting, like, unarmed people until now. They th- that they're like, fuck this, this sucks, let's just blow up the post office, right? Uh, like, we have enough explosives, we could just blow the whole fucking thing down. But that post office was thick, though, wasn't it? It, it would require a lot of explosives. Um, but like two C's minimum. <laughs> thick. The, uh, the, the Nazi party leader was like, no, 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 no. You can't blow up the post office. It'd make us look bad. Like, we should just be able to march into that fucking post office. <laughs> you, you may execute unarmed civilians, but I draw the line at blowing up the post office. I think that's, he- that's a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he was just worried that, like, you, we had to resort to something so drastic to defeat mailmen will make us really look bad when the real Nazis show up. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, it would be embarrassing. Yeah. Um, we got our asses kicked by uh, one dead soldier and a bunch of mailmen. <laughs> yeah, and, like, at, at this point, like, in all of the lulls and fighting, um, the cops demand that the mailmen surrender. And every time the mailmen shoot at the guy who orders their surrender... King shit. <laughs> like, come closer, we can't hear you. Uh, by 11... <laughs> yeah, got another one, <laughs> fucking idiots. Uh, by 11, regular army units of the Wehrmacht had shown up to reinforce the gathering of cops and random shitheads that had joined together. Now, by this point, the Danzig police, SA, and SS had also been joined by random German civilians who were fervent Nazi supporters and wanted to join in on the race war happening down the block. Um, Fuck, so just like random people with like... 100-year-old shotguns were showing up? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then they would, they'd they get scared off by a burst of the BAR fired by an angry Polish mailman. <laughs> now, that's when the Wehrmacht saw that, you know, the Danzig cops were really bad at their job, and they would just wheel up a 75-millimeter gun to blow apart the post office. 
Now, Forrester didn't want this to happen, but when the Wehrmacht showed up, uh, we're not going to fucking clear this goddamn post office. We'll just blow it up. This succeeded on blowing a hole in the post office wall. And as soon as the cops and the militias got all whipped up and excited, thinking that the mailmen have to surrender now, they realized we have fucking field guns, and they charged into this breach in the post office. But the mailmen were not scared off. In fact, they were waiting on the other side of the new breach to point blank them with machine gun and rifle fire again. Fuck yes, dude. <laughs> and then, Mailmen close combat. And they also booby-trapped, like when a mailman would fall in combat... They would booby trap their corpse with a hand grenade, knowing that the. Ger- how did they figure out how to do that? I don't know. They're fucking uh, <laughs> n- natural fighters. Uh, maybe uh, it could be one of those things that like um, Conrad taught them how to do. I guess he was like, chop down these trees. Here's how to booby trap your friend's corpse. Yeah. Cause All right, go. He. Uh, I think Flickowski knew that like we're trophies now. Like we've, we've become such a thorn in the side of these people that they're going to drag us out. Cause now like journalists and shit are outside. There's like, there's a ton of pictures of this random fucking battle at a post office. Uh, because, uh, so many members of the press showed up and the, the mailman knew like they could see them from the window and they're shooting at them too. (laughs) It's about ethics and post office journalism. Yeah. Uh, so like they're like they're gonna try to use our bodies as, as trophies, and they're gonna try to grab them and pull them out if they come in. So they started putting hand grenades under them because like one of the <laughs> things they had was a whole crate of hand grenades. Uh, so it, like that happened quite a few times. The Nazis would come back in the breach, grab a body, blow themselves up, and you know again. The Nazis demanded to surrender, and again, the mailman shot the guy <laughs> that has to surrender. How long has this been going on for? Because you said this is, like, around 11, but, like, this it sounds like they've been shooting Nazis for, like... Yeah, this started at 4 a.m. It is now 4 past 4 a.m.? Yeah. They've been doing this for, like, eight hours, just shooting Nazis trying to come into the post office? Just churning Nazis into fucking jelly, yeah. Oh, dude. These are the best post office workers ever. Now... Forrester was getting pissed. He was beyond frustrated. So he asked the Germans at the Vesterplot um, for indirect fire support, hoping they could drop artillery onto the post office <laughs> and finally end this bullshit. So the Nazis at the Vesterplot agreed, and they began to fire shells into the city. Unfortunately for everyone but the mailman, the cops had no idea how to correctly call for fire support. So, uh, <laughs> so the, oh no. the incoming shells landed wildly all over the city, blowing up random buildings and one shell landing directly in the midst of a group of Nazi supporters who had gathered to watch the show. <laughs> Fuck. Just an incredible self-own. Like, yeah, we, we're going to go watch the, the glorious Wehrmacht uh, take over the post office and then just get rocked by a fucking naval shell. You know, in terms of, like, an anecdote that perfectly sums up German performance in World War II, this is it right here. Just like, oh, yeah, we're going to curb stomp these fools, and then a bunch of post office workers kick their asses, and then they shell themselves. (laughs) Well, welcome to Antifa, Polish Postal Service. (laughs) Welcome to the resistance. Yeah. uh, Now the Wehrmacht finally got fully involved because they were getting shelled by their own guns and corrected the shell fire before they accidentally got blown to shit. Now, 
Once accurate shell fire began falling onto the post office, the post office did not stand much of a chance. But it also had a basement. So the mailmen and the and the refugees they were protecting retreated down to the basement as the entire building got blown to shit above them. Smelling victory, the cops rushed in again, making their way downstairs and run, running directly in to that goddamn BAR again. Fuck. <laughs> Littering the stairs with dead and wounded Nazis who... I'm pretty sure the Poles then beat to death. Like, if they fell into the basement, they just got their <laughs> shit kicked in. They keep falling for it. Like, ugh. I mean, the Nazis don't always, like, they're not known for being very intelligent, but, like, come on. I Like, come on. Yeah, I think at this point, like, the Poles realize that, like, they're not going to let us surrender. Like, we're, and remember, a lot of these mailmen are literally defending their families who are with them. They're yeah. like they're not just fighting for a post office. They're like kids and wives are in the basement with them. Um, so after that, once again, the Nazis demanded a surrender, and the mailmen refused. Though this time, it, it's noted that the Nazis were smart enough to do this out of eyesight. Uh, <laughs> so they did get shot just at around again. the corner of the stairs. Yeah, exactly. They're like, nope, nope, yeah. don't go near the don't go near the stairs. They'll just shoot you. <laughs> um. Now, the local police commander ordered a local fueling truck to be brought over to the building. When it arrived, the fire department of the city of Danzig jumped in to aid the cops in pumping fuel down the basement before setting it on fire with a hand grenade. Even then, the Poles tried to hold on for as long as they could, uh, firing at Nazis they could see. But as the fire encroached on them, three people were burned to death, and they realized that they were fucked. They finally decided to surrender to spare their family's you know, burning to death. While this was going on, uh, six people saw an opening and fled out of a back window and in, into the city, escaping the hands of the Germans. Oh, well, at least some people got out. That's cool. Yeah. By With the this end. Fucking, ugh. What were you saying? Oh, it's just like a Wile E. Coyote, like, level, like, thing, you know? It just started out so small, but they keep, like, having to call an Acme to, like, you know, oh, yeah, bring in the fucking naval gun, bring in the fucking fire truck filled with gasoline, you know? (laughs) I'm surprised, like, fuck it, bring in the tanks. Like, they brought in field guns, uh, uh, Wehrmacht soldiers, fucking straight-up street-fighting Nazis, and the Poles are like, no pause are on, bitch. <laughs> yeah, and then they just painted like what looked like a breach in the wall on the wall of the compound, and then they ran into it thinking it was a hole, but they ran into the side of the mountain. I just... <laughs> this this post office is just a painting on a mountain the whole time. <laughs> that one's actually in there. Uh, I I just want to have a, an Amer- like a, a postal service sticker now, but instead of like USPS, it just says no pause are on. <laughs> um, now... About 50 or so mailmen held off hundreds of Nazis, outgunned and outnumbered, for 15 hours nonstop. 15 hours? Jesus Christ. Now, rightfully, the mailmen were employees of the Polish state and defending sovereign Polish territory and should have been held as POWs. But the Nazis were, well, Nazis. Also, they had been fucking embarrassed by what they thought would literally take 10 minutes. So, within a week, the defenders are tried in a kangaroo court as illegal combatants and bandits and found guilty. Though, I think legal, like, to be fair, if they were legally kept as POWs, I don't think they really would have helped them at all due to, you know, all of the murder the Nazis visit upon Polish POWs. Um, Yeah, that would be more like a formality at that point. Yeah. 
They were all quickly executed via firing squad. Though out of the six that escaped the burning basement, four survived the war entirely, and I believe one is still alive today. Um, now, we rarely lean on karma as a concept of this show, but in order to end on a bright note here, Sturbonfuhrer Max Pauli, the SS officer who ordered the executions of the post office fighters that day, would eventually be found guilty of war crimes and would find himself swinging by the end of a rope on October 8th, 1946. Get fucked. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> now, um, Jack, we do a thing on the show. So this is how we're going to end it. Actually, okay. I should say, do you have any closing thoughts on the brave <laughs> fighters of the Polish post office? I do actually have a thought about this. They made a board game out of this. I looked it up just what? now. <laughs> Yes, it's called Soldiers in Postmen's Uniforms. That is amazing. And you you play as the Polish. It's like a, a single player game, but you play as the Polish gunning down all of the Nazis. And it's basically like a how long can you hold out kind of thing. But it's a board game. It's a board game. Yeah. And this is this board game easily available. Uh, I'm looking at it right now on BoardGameGeek.com. Like there's they're selling it. Uh, yeah. It it lists uh, places you can buy. It looks like the only place that are listed right now is eBay. But I'm gonna have to look into this. Uh, like it, uh, it doesn't amazing. look like it's on eBay right now. But ah, like, damn it! Fuck! I'll, I'll send you the link. That reminds me. There is a um, there uh, yeah, and that is the uh, monument to the postman uh, that's on the cover there. Um, but there's a board game that Nick and I joked about getting one time, but we could never find it because it's so rare. It's Almost like a D&D type game with all of the in-depthness of it. But it's about sure. the, I believe, the African campaign of World War II. Mm. Um, more specifically, like the Italian component of it. And it's like well known for being the most ridiculous board game ever to the point that like the Italian soldiers in order to eat need pasta points and shit like that. Fuck. It's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Um, it, it's been out of print for years because like it's almost unplayable uh like a a single round takes days (laughs) if if you can like find anything about this i will do a deep dive on this fucking thing i need to know about this i i will find it um and i will let you know uh, because it is the probably one of the weirdest board games i've ever found um i found a youtube video of a group of people playing like a single round of it and uh, it was several hours long, and it was like cut together because it took Jesus. so long. Um, but Jack, we do a thing on the show called Questions from the Legion. Um, now, if you would like to ask us a question from the Legion, you could slide in my DMs, message me on Discord or Patreon or email or whatever. Um, message in a bottle, uh, you know, homing pigeon. Um, you could tie it smoke to a signal. brick and throw it through my window. Um, smoke signal. Uh, Morris code. I'm running out of means of communication here. Uh, regular mail delivered by Polish Postal Service, man. <laughs> yeah, if, if you get me a letter delivered by the Polish Postal Service, that would be amazing. Um, so uh, uh, today's question from the Legion is, you know, obviously you're on the show. So I wanted it to be tailored towards war games. Um, which is the thing that you do. What is your favorite war game? Fuck. <laughs> There's so many of them. <laughs> uh, I'm a basic bitch, and mine's like just a total war series. 
Oh man. Um, so what I will say about that, I'll just give you my favorite recent one uh, is a uh, field of glory Two. uh, medieval is actually one that released like t- tomorrow, I think is when it releases. Um, I got a preview code of it and, uh, it's super good. It's like one of those miniatures games that like, you know, us nerds will go and paint the little miniatures and push them around on the field. Oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah. It's like that, but it's digital. So, uh, clumsy fucks like me who don't know how to paint can get it in on the fun, especially when I don't want to get, you know, COVID and die by seeing anyone in person right now. That is a problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I streamed it the other week actually. And, uh, I got my ass stomped because I was fighting the Mongols. So <laughs> I never, that's fun. I never got into the miniature thing, mostly because the barrier of cost. I remember like, I never got yeah. into Warhammer miniatures. I only got into Warhammer because like books, uh, but I did play a terrible game called Mage Knights forever ago. Mage Knights. It probably doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it had miniatures. It was like you didn't paint them. They just came as they were. Uh, they had like little spinning dials on the bottom for like uh, life points. It was like, I-, I think someone saw Warhammer and like, okay, what if that but much easier? Because it even had <laughs> some of the of same races like, like you know, orcs, goblins, humans and shit like that. I, I I think actually my parents several times tried to like when I was a kid get me into war games and they would buy me the like the most off brand things I had never heard of and would never see again. Like there was a, like a little ship where you would build paper ships and then send them against each other. And then like there was this one game that was kind of like football, but it wasn't it wasn't Blitzball either. It wasn't like the, the you know, the popular one. And I would go to school and be like, hey, does anyone want to play this shitty paper ship game and everyone be like we have pokemon cards what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> i never heard of that one um yeah I, I don't know so jack thank you for joining uh me as i await the return of of nick from the united states military uh and this is the part of the show <laughs> where the guests uh get it, it, it's the plug zone uh so the you have projects zone. that you do and this is where you can plug them and people should go and listen to them uh, please. So I, as Joe mentioned earlier, run a podcast called Let's Talk About War Games. We do what the title says. Um, it's with uh, another freelance writer, friend of mine, also named Joe. So it's kind of easy. If you're listening to this episode, you don't have to remember any more names. <laughs> it's um, Joe's all the way down. Yeah. And we also have a blog. It's Let's Talk About War Games uh, at the, it's a WordPress. And we write about games and stuff there. And that's pretty much it. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jack underscore Trumbull. Um, I shit post a lot. Uh, yesterday, I just wrote the tweet Muppet boobs because that's the thing right now. That's some high quality the, posting, sir. Well, there's there's a D and there's a new D and D show coming out where they have Muppets. It's like a Muppet based D and D show, but one of the Muppets just has huge tits. That's deeply disturbing. <laughs> it, it's not fun to look at. I'll tell you that. Don't like it. Um. Uh, I, I remember, so I found your, uh, uh, well, it wasn't your blog. I believe it was a website you were writing for at the time. Mm-hmm. And you wrote a review of a game that, um, in my opinion, uh, correctly pointed out that a game developer was peddling in uh, the clean Wehrmacht theory. Yes. And they posted, a game developer posted a long screed pretty much personally attacking you, which is yes. how I knew I was into your brand. yeah um i and then i did an episode about clean wehrmacht also kind of like the one uh you did here 
after that because I was so pissed off about it. Um, it was kind of weird having that experience, but uh, I think that due to UK libel laws where this was posted, I'm okay. And uh, the article doesn't exist anymore due to some changes with the site. So I'm basically scot-free. So nice. f- fuck off, I guess. I don't accidentally, you know, support Nazi theories. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't it's think bad. It, it, it wasn't intentional, but you still did it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can close out that. Um, until next time, obviously, Jack, thanks for coming on. Love to have you on again. Yeah. And uh, until next time... Don't accidentally do clean Wehrmacht theory. Hell yes.